Now, to say you're delighted to be in a position of overseeing government would be like being a fireman saying you're looking forward to every fire. And I think it's very important that people who have the position that I now have, whether it was Ed Towns or Henry Waxman or Tom Davis or Dan Burton, and you keep going back, we had different mindsets each time. And I've had 10 years in Congress, and for a guy that came just for a couple, you know, just to change the world and go home, uh, it's been longer than I planned, but I've had those years to watch each of those. You and Jerry, this is like old home break. We are recycling. It's right here. But uh, I've had the opportunity to, to sort of look at all the various patterns that the chairmen have and how they do their duty. And the other day I was given the opportunity to answer the question of, well, what will your chairmanship be like? And, you know, the goal, of course, is for it to be unlike any before you, but if, if I really look, I'd like to take Tom Davis's knowledge of government and of where, if you will, the bodies of waste are buried, and Henry Hyde's tenacity and composure to never, never be partisan, even if the other side is. And so, what I'm trying to introduce to all of you, the, the way we want to run the committee and the way we think we can make a difference for the American people, it's going to be sort of that mindset. Now, I'm naming uh, tomorrow seven subcommittee chairmen. Some of the returning champions have already been named. But when those are named, each one of them is going to have made the same promise. To be like a fireman going to a fire, knowing that, in fact, you're looking for the damage, you're looking to put out the fire, and then you're looking for the cause of the fire. But there's no gleefulness ever when what your job is is to look for failures of government, financial failures, regulatory failures, um, abuse of power, the list goes on. So part of what I'm hoping to do is to get the positive out of getting our government to stop sending $125 billion in monies basically in most cases, in many cases, to people who don't exist, to companies that were formed for the purpose of ripping off the American people, trying to figure out how to get Medicare and Medicaid to stop overspending where the services actually rendered while undercompensating those who provide those services. Uh, I can't make any policy decisions in my committee, with the possible exception of the post office and some impact to the District of Columbia. We're not a regulatory committee. We're primarily a committee that oversees the federal workforce, policies and procedures, the rights and wrongs. And so, a little bit like the nuns who inherited me in college, not having gone K through 12 through Catholic education, they could hit my knuckles all they wanted. There was only so much change they were going to make. <laughs> Tom, Tom, you know where Sienna is. You don't really feel our pain going there. Uh, but uh, although you've got to give the nuns credit, Kent State's Honors College invited me to join. Their regular college refused me because I had a GED and not a bachelor and not a high school diploma, and I wasn't yet 21. The nuns took a chance on me. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, the redemption of souls is, it seems to be more important than common sense. <laughs> like I say, I'm still trying for that comedy club. As we look at the changes that we made in government, 
I'm the first to say we cannot wrench $1.4 out just based on waste, fraud, and abuse. Committees of jurisdiction are going to have to make big and hard decisions. We are not going to be able to bring as much money into Social Security as we currently do and pay as much out as we currently do forever. We cannot continue to be 10% of the education budget while having effectively no real positive impact on public education. The fact is, we should have never taken a penny of the federal tax dollars in order to get into the education business. Now, my committee cannot make the decision to get us out. I can look into that now approaching 10% of public education and more in major in some major cities, certainly more here in the District of Columbia, and look for waste, programs that don't work. If the legislators in this climate do not look at programs that don't work and simply close them, but rather say, well, there's a pot of money, let me go expand a new experiment, shame on us. When we look at Medicare, Medicare is increasing so fast that if regulatory reform and, and adherence to sound principles, including medical oversight of necessary procedures, doesn't get better, then no amount of finding, let's say, $100 billion or $70 billion, there are a lot of different estimates, in actual false payments is going to, for very long, forestall the fact that as it increases by 10 and 20 percent, we're only knocking off a year or two of growth, ultimately leading to an insolvency. A few days ago, well now it's a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, I used the term corruption. I want to tell everybody here that if power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, then money, as it grows larger than it needs to be, as it is assigned to programs and to administrations, more loosely and larger amounts, corrupts the very process. Now that's a principle that, again, I do not have the jurisdiction to stop, but I have the ability in this next two years to show why TARP was a mistake, not based on what it did, but based on how the Congress issued the dollars. We basically handed President Bush a blank check based on a promise, none of which did he ever do. President Bush told us he was going to do one thing, and to our dismay, he, Bernanke, Paulson, and the others did completely different items, and then on top of that, did what we had suggested was an alternative to TARP. In other words, the Fed used its power in the trillions on top of the various uses of the TARP. Now, maybe it was the exact right set of decisions. That's for the financial services and other committees to be primarily looking at was the money well spent. If you were to have a similar situation in the future, would you use some of the tools that were used by the Bush and now the Obama administration? The presumption is, yes, you would. Some of those tools were productive. Some of them, like HAMP, continue to basically give people the false assumption that they can bail out homes, they get into the front end of a program, half of them never even get officially into the program, and the other half, 10% or approximately, are already defaulting. It is an incredibly failed program. Again, like the firemen, I only go to the failed programs, I only go to the fires. Our committee will look at the failed parts of TARP. We will also, I think, over the next few years, more than anything else that we've ever contributed as a committee, we will begin focusing on 
regulatory <coughs> excesses. And regulatory excesses in some people's minds are, you shouldn't have had this law, you shouldn't have had that law. I suspect that by the time, and we sent out hundreds now, it was originally 150 and it's grown, letters to industry. Members of Congress being encouraged to talk and to send uh, follow-ups to small businesses throughout their district. As we get these answers back and we accumulate them, and, and some of them, you know, are, are like uh, Christmas bells. They just keep ringing and ringing, and pretty soon you say, okay, we got that one. But some of them are more subtle. Some of them are five well-intentioned regulatory uh, reforms that when overlapped, slow progress down to a crawl. I can't make a decision about whether or not we should build a new nuclear power plant. What I can look at is that after President Bush came in, after legislation was passed, after special funds were created for five nuclear power plants, we are still further away from the first one coming online than a product in China or even in France that is envisioned and cited today, they will get online before we get online with programs that have been underway for years, and in most cases, sites in the United States that already have reactors right next to them. That's the kind of slowness that will kill American competitiveness. 